Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgave our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A very warm welcome to all of you. New faces for the first time with us. Can I see a show of hands? New faces, first time. A very warm welcome to all of you. I hope it's not going to be the last time, otherwise I'll be coming after you. <laughs> My name is um, Bishop Murray, for those who do not know me. Guys, tonight I want to talk with you about a topic or an issue I think I believe it's very, very important to all of us. And I do believe that all of us do go through that particular stage uh, in our life um, every now and then or every little while. So I thought I'd like to share it with you uh, so we can look at it really from a positive perspective rather than a negative one, which we normally, in a human sort of naturalistic way, we look at things when, when they go wrong especially, we always look at them in a negative uh, perspective. So this time we're going to shed some light to see if we can really look at something that has gone wrong in our life but in an optimistic way, not a pessimistic way. So the title of our discussion or talk is going to be Seven Decisions That Will Get You Through the Dark Times. Seven Decisions That Will Get You Through the Dark Times. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7, it talks about wisdom. Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7, Oh, the entire chapter 4, it talks about wisdom. It says, obtain wisdom, get wisdom. So therefore, wisdom is something that I need to really pursue. It is not something that I am born with. It is not something that I'm going to get naturally or automatically. It is something that I need to pursue and get and obtain. Why wisdom? Why is it so important? And the book of Proverbs teaches you about wisdom. Not only chapter 4, but the entire 31 chapters of it. It teaches you about wisdom. Why is it so important? Because wisdom is the mechanism that gives you that capacity and capability of discerning things. Wisdom gives you that power to know the difference between people, the, dif the difference between countenance, the difference in seasons, the difference with a lot of things that happen in life. It gives you that cap a capacity to discern it, to really see it, and to know it, and to pick it. The only issue is, how do I obtain wisdom? You'll be sleeping here tonight, don't worry. How do I obtain wisdom? The only way to obtain wisdom is... The secret to obtaining wisdom is humility. The secret to obtaining wisdom is humility. In the book of Joel, Joel, J-O-E-L, in the book of Joel, which is a prophet of the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 28, Joel, tw Joel 2, 28, the Lord God is speaking here. He said, in the end of times, I, the Lord, 
will pour out my spirit on your sons and on your daughters. They will see visions and they will dream dreams. I, the Lord, will pour out my spirit in the end of times. Now, the word pouring applies to water as a substance. It applies to water. Why? Because we say that, don't we? Can you pour me a glass of water, please? Now, when you hear the word pouring, automatically you know the action of it. What is the action of pouring? From above to below. So water can only do one thing. It can only travel downwards. Water does not travel upwards. So therefore, for the water to flow, it needs to flow from above to below. The Lord God is saying that my spirit is being illustrated in the substance world as water. Now, my spirit is like water. Water travels from above to below. Therefore, I, the Lord God, I will pour out my spirit. That means my spirit can only go downward. It cannot go upward. There is no one above me. I can only come down. I can't go up. And for me to come down with my spirit on you and to dwell in you, then you need to be lower than your God. Lower meaning I need to be humble. I need to lower myself. I need to go down and not be uh, one, of those that, one of those people that boast about themselves and have a big head like a big balloon and looking down at everyone. No, I'm no better than no, uh, any other person. I should always see myself the least of all. So now, to get wisdom, you need to get humility. You need to be down to earth. Now, how do I get to that level of being a humble, down-to-earth person? The only way I can really become a humble person when I get broken up. The only way to be humble, I need to be broken. You see, I'll read to you Psalm, Psalm 18. The book of Psalms, chapter 18, verses 10 to 11. Listen to this. Psalm 18, 10, 10 to 11. And he, meaning God, referring to God, and he rode upon a chariot and did fly. Ye, he did fly upon the winds of the, uh, the wings of the wind. Verse 11, he made darkness. Now listen to this. He made darkness his secret place. He made darkness his secret place. God made darkness his secret place. Now I said to obtain humility, you need to be broken up. When you are broken, you are in the dark. What is dark is you have hit rock bottom. Rock bottom means I am in darkness. I'm lost. I'm finished. I see myself. There is no way out of this. All the doors are shut. I am 100% dead meat. My world is dark. My world is ugly. I just want to kill myself. I want to give up and I want to go and commit some sort of a suicide. God says, 
I have made darkness my secret place. So remember this, my beloved. Every time you go through a dark tunnel, every time you go through hardships, every time you feel you are broken, you are alone, you are deserted, you are kicked out, you are not welcomed, you are rejected. Remember this. The moment you see yourself in a dark place, remember God is with you. He has made that dark place His secret place to dwell in. When you are feeling down, remember that God is the most with you now. He has never left you when you were in the light. Do you think He's going to leave you when you are in the dark? It is impossible. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. I came to shine in your dark alleys. I came to shine in your dark past and memories that are haunting you and the luggages of the old history that you, are, you have kept carrying them with you. I came to shine and set you free. If you think you're alone, well, you are mistaken, my child, because the Almighty God has made your dark life His secret dwelling place. So whenever you are down, you should be encouraged, not discouraged. Because one thing, remember, that dark tunnel broke me up. And to break me up, God allows sometimes things to go wrong in our life. Why? Because He wants to bring us to humility. He wants to lower our pride and our self-exaltation. He wants to get rid of that old person that was doing all the wrong things under the sun. And to do that, he, he needs to break that old person to set you free from your old person and to put you into the new person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, before when I was healthy, when I was strong, when I was working, I had money, I had a good car and a good life. Did you think about God? No. When you're healthy, what do we do? Normally, human nature, man, nothing changes. The good old human nature. When we are in good shape and healthy and we are free, we're not afraid to go out and someone might come and blow us up. So when we are living in a free environment, in a free place, we tend to do whatever we want. My parents say to me, don't go out. None of your business, mom and dad. I'm mature enough. Don't mix with those guys. They are my best mates, and nobody's going to stop me from doing that. Come and pray. Uh, get alive. That's old-fashioned, bro. You need to go to church. That's only for the oldies. I'm the young generation. You guys are not smart enough. But imagine that person, that very person gets an illness. Do you think they're going to think about going downtown clubbing, brother? Do you think they're going to think about getting a hammer and sitting with a big sabufa khabibi in the back seat, bro? I don't think so. They're lying on that, on that bed with a lot of pain and agonies. Are they going to talk about people? Are they going to gossip about people? Are they going to stab people in the back? 
Are they going to dig beneath the, uh, the feet of the people to make them fall? Of course not. What are they going to do? They're going to beg God to come to their rescue and help them. They don't care about nothing else but to be cured. And all of a sudden, they turn into saints. They start praying for people and wishing all the people all the best. And let the Lord Jesus, please heal every that person that is sick. Now I understand what sickness is all about. I've been through it. It is so harsh. It is so difficult. It is unbearable. Lord Jesus, don't just heal me. Heal everyone that is sick. Were you praying like that before when you were healthy? No. Why? Because you did not pay attention to the voice of Jesus Christ. So he's going to make sure he gets your attention. And the only way to do it is to break you. When you go through broken times, through hardships, when you go through those dark alleys, remember, don't lose hope. Don't ever lose hope because God has made that dark moment in your life His resting place. Jesus is with you. Do you have a drug problem? Is this your dark time? Do you have gambling problem? Is this your dark time? Do you have whatever issue you have? that is chaining you up and making everything dark, ugly around you, remember, if everyone leaves you under the sun, the one who created the sun will never leave you. The one who is the light of every galaxy and constellations, he will never, ever leave you. You need to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Don't lose hope. Because I can assure you, Satan will come at the moment where you are the weakest. And he will tempt you to do the undoable. And he will push you to do what should not be done at all. Because when we are at our weakest moment, any small breath of, of air is going to break us and is going to blow us away. You need to remember, no matter how bad I am, no matter how ugly the situation I have put myself in, no matter how distant from God I am, no matter how astray I have gone away from God, no matter how lost, no matter how low I am, I have the Almighty God right next to me. In my dark time, 100%. 100%. The prodigal son, Luke 15. The Gospel of Luke, St. Luke chapter 15. When this son came and said to his dad, I don't want to live with you, dad, anymore. Why, my son? You're living in a mansion. You are living a luxurious, you are living royalty here. But dad, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. You know, I feel like I'm suffocating here, dad. If I go out, I have to ask for a permission from you. If I come back late, you're going to ask me, where were you? Who were you with? Where, where have you been? Dad, I want to be free. I want to do the things I want whenever I want with whom I want. I don't want no one to be my boss except my own self. So dad, please, can you do yourself a favor and me? Give me my share and let me go my way, please. I want to enjoy life. Here we come, King's Cross, bro. He went away. 
He spent the money, enjoyed life to the fullest, as a lot of people do nowadays and are trying to do. And at the end, he had nothing left. There was a big starvation in that country, and he was starving to death. He was forced to find a job. This is the son of a king. He was forced to find a job, and he went begging someone in that city to employ him. He said, okay, you know what? I've got a swine's field. I've got a pig's field. I wanted to go and look after my pigs. So the son of the king living in a castle, in a mansion, ended up living in the pig's field in the midst and in the depth of filth and dirt. Searching for freedom my way could lead me astray from my heavenly daddy. But guess what? He was right in that dark alley. That pig's field was his darkest moment of his life. He was so lost, so confused, so gone, far away, there was no way for him to come back. But who brought him back? Daddy was with him. For I have made that dark place my dwelling, my secret dwelling place. Don't ever lose hope. If you have Jesus, nothing will ever stand in your way. Because in Jesus, I can do anything and everything. Look at this. Isaiah 45.3. Those who are writing, write it down. Isaiah 45 verse 3. The Lord is saying here, the Lord God, and I will give you, God is saying to every one of you, and I will give you the treasures of darkness. I will give you the treasures of darkness. He said, not only I have made that dark place of your life my secret resting place, but I will bring out of that darkness my treasures, and I'll give it to you. I can assure you, I can assure you, you cannot experience God in a very vivid, so awesome, powerful way unless you go through that dark tunnel. For as long as you're enjoying life and having fun and maybe going occasionally to church and you are praying and you're not even scratching the surface, Jesus says, you want to find me, you want to meet me, you better go into the depth. Because in the depth there are pearls. But at the surface it's only salty water. You cannot drink from it. You cannot even have a shower with it. But when you go in the depth of the ocean, you will find precious stones and expensive pearls. The most expensive pearl in the world is called sea pearl. It's an, actually an animal of the ocean. These two animals... They come and fight. When they fight, they wound each other. When they wound each other, cut themselves up through that fighting, what happens? Through that wound, a substance comes up or comes out from that substance. When that substance comes out of that wound, with the water and the salty water of the ocean, starts surrounding that substance with time, it becomes a pearl. The most expensive pearl comes out of a wound. 
And where do you find this pearl? In the depths of the dark ocean. When you dive down, you don't see no one anymore. You don't hear no one anymore. The pressure is quadrupled and ten times more than what it was when I was on the ground. It is totally a different world. There I see myself alone. I'm crying, no one coming to my rescue. I'm searching, it is dark everywhere, I can't see. Not even a centimeter away from my eyesight. I am looking everywhere, the pressure is so immense, I started bleeding. But you will find someone who has made that dark place his secret dwelling place. He says, out of that darkness, I will give you my treasures. Out of that darkness, he gave you not only precious pearls, but he gave you much more precious than the most precious pearl. He gave you his blood. St. Paul says, he who has purchased us, meaning Jesus Christ, he who has purchased us, not with silver, not with gold, not with precious pearls, but with his own blood. His blood is more expensive than the pearl. Why? Because the blood is the life. Without a life, you cannot make a pearl. You cannot obtain a pearl. Life is the most expensive thing you have. Jesus gave us the most expensive thing he had as a human being. His blood, which is life. He gave us his life and he went through dark, that dark place. And out of that dark place, Calvary, he gave us his treasures. What are his treasures? Eternal life came out of death. For whoever believeth in Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 When you are in a dark time, don't panic. I'll give you one thing. Think about it. Darkness is a conclusion. Conclusion meaning something that came to a full halt, to a full end. It's complete. So when you are in a dark place, don't panic and you say, that's it, it's over. No, it's not over until the fat lady sings. Darkness is a conclusion because darkness, when you are in darkness, it tells you that yesterday is over. So whatever you had issues with yesterday, whatever problems you had with yesterday, darkness is just telling you now that that yesterday is gone. And guess what? That yesterday will have no impact on tomorrow. Because what, what separated yesterday from tomorrow is darkness. And there is no connection. It is a total separation. So whatever problems you had yesterday, do me a favor. When you go through that darkness, say that problem is gone. I thank you, Lord, for yesterday is finished. I've got a brand new day to try and fix my problem. Don't ever carry that problem with you to the next day. Darkness is a conclusion. It is telling you that yesterday is over. And also, darkness is the start to a new day. Just like darkness ended yesterday, so as darkness will be the start to a sunrise. Just like darkness said yesterday is gone with its problems, it is telling you 
Even though it's dark and it's ugly, but it's a start to a brand new day. Without darkness, sun will not rise. Without darkness, you will not see the light. Without hardships, you will never appreciate a glorious life. Seven decisions that will help you to get through the dark times of your life. Decision number one. They are decisions. So that means you need to take them and make them. Not just listen from one ear and out of the next. Block this one when you hear something, please. See, when something goes here, just block this other one. So that way, when the word goes there, oh, no exit. What is it going to do? It's going to hit their brain. It's going to go upward. And then when it goes upward, you're going to start thinking about it. And then it's going to come downward. When it comes downward, it's going to go to the heart. When it goes into the heart, the heart is the field. The heart is the field where this word is being planted in that heart and that field. And before you know it, that word becomes a tree and a fruitful one. And then you will live happily ever after as they say in those fairy tale stories. Yet this one is not a fairy tale story, it's the truth. The first decision. You need to, to dream, you need to decide, you need to make this decision for yourself. You need to decide to dream a new dream. Stop dreaming the old dream. Stop living the past. Stop saying, I'm this, I'm ugly, I need a facelift, my nose is too big, my ears are too big, I've got a big Assyrian nose, I need to go and do a plastic surgery. Dream a new one. Instead of focusing on your big nose, focus on your beautiful eyes. That means change the way you think. You need to start dreaming a new dream. Stop looking at that ugly person that you were yesterday. Look at a beautiful person that is coming tomorrow. Change your dream. If you're ever going to say, I'm good for nothing, I'm good for nothing, I'm good for nothing, sooner or later you're going to believe in that and then you will become good for nothing. But if you say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can come out of this, but encourage yourself to do good things, not bad things. Don't say like, hey, I can steal the bank. I can do it, I can do it, I can steal the bank. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about positive things. Say, I can change. I've got a drug problem. I can do it. I can get out of this drug drug problem. I've got alcohol problem. I can do it. I can come out of this. I've got issues with my friends and they have been dragging me down, 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 down. I can do it. I can let go of them. You can do it. And it's a decision and that decision goes back to you, not to God. God will not, God will not live your life for you. But God has given you His son, that he died for you to give you a new start and a new dream. And a new dream. That now in Jesus Christ, you better start dreaming differently. In Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, you are a new creation. You are no longer 
The former Adam, you are living in the latter Adam. Former Adam broke God's word and lost everything that God gave him. But in the latter Adam, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he fulfilled God's word to the fullness of it, and he returned everything that the first Adam lost. We are living in Jesus Christ. You need to have a new dream. Stop, stop looking at the dark, ugly past and believe that you cannot change. Yes, you can. God gave you the tools to change. He is there to help you. God will knock at the door. It is up to you to open the door. God will not force himself on you. He will not force open that door. He can only knock. Read Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20, the Lord Jesus saying, I am standing at the door and knocking. He who hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter and I will dine. I'll have dinner with him. You see, I have made the darkness my secret dwelling place. He will come inside your house and have dinner, not breakfast. You have breakfast in the morning. It is light, but dinner is at nighttime. He comes and shares your darkness. What is darkness? Your sins, your foolishnesses, your mishaps, your shortfalls. You're drifting away, doing the wrong things under the sun. That is your darkness. Jesus came to have dinner with you. He wants to share your darkness. Jesus said, I did not call. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I came in this dark world because I am the sun, S-U-N. I am the sun that shines forth in this dark world. You need to have, you need to decide to dream a new dream. By the way, how many of us have been sometime at the, uh, in their life disappointed with whatever thing? Put your hand up if you have been disappointed in your life. If you haven't, then you're either still a baby or you are lying to me. <laughs> okay, thanks. Not many put their hand up, but I'll take that. Okay. So we do get disappointed at some stage in our life. Did you know that disappointment is a divine instruction. Disappointment is a divine conversation. God gives you disappointment. Listen to this. Disappointment is a divine instruction and it's a divine conversation. God gives you disappointment to show you who does not belong into your future. God gives you disappointment to show you who does not belong into your future because there are certain people you cannot take with you to the future. If you want to get somewhere, if you want to become something good, you need to let go of some people because some people will always drag you back. They will always try to take you to that dark alley. Disappointment is a good thing. It's not a negative thing because God sometimes allows you to go and be disappointed so that through disappointment you realize who is your friend, true friend, and who is not. Who is the one you can trust and who is the one you cannot trust? I had all my trust in this guy. I thought he was my best friend. But when I really needed him the most, he was not there. I am so disappointed. Disappointment is good. Because if you want to progress, you need to let go of certain things and certain people. Can't stay with them. Can't associate You are like in a cage. You need to come out of that cage if you want to have a bright future and a beautiful horizon. 
So you need to progress. So you need to drop some. Don't park. And if people park at your home, say, this home is not for rent. And if you're going to come next time, you better pay me for it. So they park in your home and pay you nothing. You go anywhere in Fairfield, there are parking meters, bro. You go into a shopping center, you got to hit the buzzer. Nothing is for free. You come and park in the shopping center and you expect free, everything free, nothing for free, Baba. Even you go to hospital, you got to pay for the parking. But I'm sick, yeah, you got to pay for the parking. Disappointment is good. Make a decision to dream a new dream. Change your way of thinking. Change it. You know what is right and what is wrong. What is holding you back in your life? What is really affecting you in a negative way? You know that. Whether it be people or situations. What kind of situation are you in? Let it out. Move away from it. What kind of people are you associating with? Are you still living that chaotic life? Are you still living that emptiness? You're still lost? Well, there's something wrong. What kind of environment have you put yourself in? Change your dream. Stop dreaming nasty ones. See, look at a brighter future. You need to hate your present to birth your future. You need to hate your present to give a birth to your future. Unless you are not happy with what you are and what you have now, you can never dream on having a better and more prosperous thing in the future. If you're comfortable, you'll go into the sleeping mode. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm happy. I like it in this square. I don't like going outside the square. It's better what you know than what you don't know. It's better than knowing the devil that you have at hand and not knowing the angel that is coming your way. Why stay with the devil? Wouldn't you want to meet an angel? Come out of that square. Come out of that square. Nothing wrong with having that positive, optimistic, opportunistic, Vision. Nothing wrong with that. God, by the way, He is a dreamer. And God's dreams are always anew. Nothing in God's creation is the same. <laughs> if everything God created was the same, that would have been, man, a very dull kind of lifestyle. I talk the same than the other guy. I look the same than the other guy. Everything is the same. No, but when our differences, that tells you that God has a new dream every time. So he comes, when he created you, he said, I've got a dream for you. 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 I've got a dream. I've got a different dream for every single one of you. Even your DNA, I dreamt it, and I had a different mm, fingerprint. 3.1 billion bits of information is in every DNA. 3.1 billion bits of information. No one's DNA is the same. There are almost 7 billion people that live now in this planet. And how many billion came and how many billion are going to come? I don't know. But 7 billion as we speak, no one's DNA is the same. God is a dreamer and a new dream 
that he has all the time. That keeps you motivated. That keeps you going. Because once you have one dream and you dwell on it, that will kill every potential that you, God has put in you. Why? Like even people that do bad things in the world, they have dreams. One day, they, the first time a thief, when he robbed that tricycle, he said, Woo! I robbed the tricycle, man. But then when he went home, he said, I better have a different dream now. I need, I need to dream new. I need to know how to rob a, a motorcycle, a, a motorbike, a motorcycle. So when he stole that one, he said, now I need to know how to steal a car. And then he started having all this artwork. And he said, uh, a Ford Falcon is not good enough. I need to go much bigger, a BMW, and now a converter, a convertible BMW. Now, you know what? You only live once. Go for the Ferrari, brother. <laughs> then why? People who do bad have dreams. And those new dreams keep them on progressing. Why don't you have a dream in a positive way? Number two. To come out of your dark times, decide to be a thankful person all the time. Decide to be a thankful person all the time. Do you thank God in every situation? Or do you only remember God when you are good and having fun and having whatever you want at, you know, at your fingertip? Then you are thanking God. What about when you are having some difficult times? What about when you are going through some hardships? Do you thank Him? What about when you fail your exam? Have you ever come out of your exam and you failed and said, Hallelujah, thank God I have failed. Do you do that? Do you invite people to celebrate your failure? You only invite them to celebrate your success, right? But sometimes success is not always good and healthy. Sometimes failures are as good as success. One day, who's heard of Padre, Padre Pio? Padre Pio is a saint. Uh, he is Italian by birth. Uh, he lived all his life in Italy. And um, he was a monk and a priest. He was a, a priest monk. Uh, he had the stigmata for 50 years on his body, the, the wounds of the Lord Jesus. One day this monk brought his daughter by force to, to meet Padre Pio. Padre Pio, whenever he, he would see a person, he knows everything about that person straight away. So he brought, she brought her daughter with her because the daughter was not listening to, to her mom. Her daughter wanted to go to another city because she was offered a very good job and she really wanted that job so desperately. Mom said, I don't want my daughter to go and live in another city. You are a girl. I'm, I'm, I'm very scared for you, for your well-being. But the daughter was so stubborn. She said, I'm going to take you to Padre Pio. He's going he's to give you a lesson. So the mother came. She said, look, Padre, I brought my daughter. He looked at her. He said, come here. He said, what's in your bag? She said, what do you mean what's in my bag? He said, get that thing that is in your bag right now. She said, what do you mean? He said, that letter that you have in your bag, get it out. So she gets that letter out. It was a letter that was sent by an employer from that city saying that you have been accepted into this role. You've got the job. He said, give it to me. So she gave that letter, he shredded it to pieces, he threw it and he stepped on it. He said, you are not going anywhere, you better be a good girl or else, go home. 
she went wild. And she hated. Do you call this a saint? This is not a saint. This guy is a murderer. So she went home grumpy. Her girlfriend, her best girlfriend, went and got that job. Within a few days of her start at that job, she was abused by that employer. Padre Pio knew he healed her soul after she was abused. That girl came back running to Padre Pio. She fell at his feet crying. She said, I just want to thank you. You saved my life. She became the caretaker of Padre Pio till the day he left this world. She stayed a virgin single all her life for Padre Pio. She would light a candle for him every day and pray for Padre Pio's well-being. She dedicated her life praying just to Padre Pio. Until the day she died, she did that without fail. Don't think every success is good for you. Failures are good. Are you a thankful person? You want to come out of your dark times? Be a thankful person. Number three, you need to decide to lavish. Lavish means showering things. It comes from the French word lavash. Lavash is to gen generously shower. You know, just when the water, when rain comes down, how much of those drops of water come? You need to lavish, shower the seed of honor into your environment. You want to come out of your dark times? You better start sowing the seed of honor with every person that you have in your life. Do you honor the people around you? Or are you disrespectful to the people who are around you? Do you sow the seed of honor? As a child, do you honor mom? Do you honor dad? Do you honor your family members? Do you honor people that you know? Do you honor the people that God brings your way? Or are you disrespectful, judgmental, gossiping kind of person? Do you know why sometimes we go through dark times? Because we spoke darkly about someone. What goes around? <laughs> <laughs> comes around. You let someone down, someone else will come and put you down, brother. You talk nasty about people, people will come talk nasty about you. Do you think you're going to escape? No way. You want to come out of your dark times? Sow the seed abundantly of honor in your environment. Number four. You need to decide to excel in obedience. You need to decide to excel in obedience. Are you an obedient person? When I say something to you, you say, okay, yes, sir, Sayyidina Barakhmar, or are you going to question me and make my life miserable? What are you going to do? Not you. He's a good man. The second one. <laughs> the second one next to him. <laughs> Obedience, my beloved, 
Jesus Christ's secret was obedience. Don't think that Jesus, you know, people say, okay, well, he's God. Yes, we believe he's God, and he is God. That's the truth. But just because he is God did not give him that privilege to do all the miracles that he did in his life. Raising the dead, healing the sick, opening the, the blind's man, and then cleansing the leper and all the rest. That, it, he did not do that just because he's God. Everything, even God himself, everything that he needs to do, he has to do it by law. Because he is the lawmaker, he is the lawgiver, he is the law writer, he is the author. So when God gives you something, he, he needs to fulfill it himself first before he asks you to fulfill it. Jesus' secrets to all the miracles he did, including his resurrection, was his obedience, or I should add to it, total obedience to his heavenly daddy. That was a secret. How come Jesus could heal the sick? He was obedient to, to his dad. So when he was obedient to dad, that meant everything dad asked him to do and to say, he did. So daddy is happy. When daddy is happy, who is above in heaven, guess what? When you talk, daddy is talking. So when daddy talks, the sick are healed, the blind can see, and the leper can be cleansed. But when I and you talk alone, light becomes darkness, health becomes sickness, Strength become weakness. Obedience is very important. You better start learning. If you are not an obedient person, you better start learning how to be obedient. Because that will get you out of a lot of dark places in your life. Number five. You need to decide to avoid unnecessary battle. How many times do we fight over silly things? Oh my goodness. There is a World War III at home. I go there, the sisters are pulling each other's hair. What is this about? I told her, don't come into my room next time without knocking. Decide to avoid unnecessary battles. Did you know, my beloved, that 90% of life pain comes through misplaced trust? 90% of the, of the pain that is in your life comes from putting your trust in the wrong place. And then the 10% are the other silly things. Number six. You need to, to decide to study the character of every friendship. Well, since the 90% of pain in your life comes from putting your trust in the wrong place, therefore, number six is very relevant to it. That means you need to decide to study the character of every friendship. Who in whom are you putting your trust? Before you put your trust in that person, you better study the characteristics of that person. When you take a seed of any plant, that seed, as long as it's outside, the, you know, above ground, it's useless. That seed has no life, has absolutely no use. The moment you put it into that soil, that seed becomes alive and it gives you a beautiful tree full of fruits. You see, when you plant the seed into that soil, 
the seed does not change the soil, but the seed tells you what kind of a characteristic this soil has. How good or bad the soil is. That's what the seed is going to tell you. But the seed is not going to change the soil for you. But it's going to tell you if the soil is good or if it's not. When you are planting your words, when you are investing your time in people, you should then study what kind of char character that person is. Stop investing time with someone who is hopeless. Stop investing time with someone that always pulls you down and makes you hate yourself. Stop investing your time in someone who is a brick wall. What kind of character does this person has? I'm not talking about your family. <laughs> I'm talking about friendships. I'm not saying that daddy is stubborn, that's it. I'm not investing in you, dad. See you later. No, 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 no. I'm talking about people that you associate with outside your family circle. Your word, your time is like a seed that is planted into the ground. You are investing your time, you are investing your word, you are investing your feelings, your emotions, your thought, your everything in that person. You expect that person to yield for you fruit. After 20 years, they were my friends and they're still the same. Well, you are the idiot one. Why did you stay 20 years? Study the, char the character of that friendship that you are in. What do you think is the most powerful gift you could give anyone? Who can tell me? So just to sort of cheer you up and then bring you out of that sleepless sort of status. What is the most powerful gift you could give anyone? Sorry? Love? Love is one, yes. Trust. The most powerful gift you could give anybody? Sorry? Praying for them. Okay, so there's love, trust, pray, hope, respect, sorry, loyalty. Okay, these are all beautiful, but the most powerful gift you could give anybody in your life is not money and it's not love, even though love came number one in our thought, yeah? The most powerful thing is love. Well, if love is the most powerful gift you could give anyone, then there is no one greater than God because the Bible says that God is love. Yet God created us on the basis of love. He gave us love. But did that love save us or change us? What did Adam do? Adam got all the love of God. And Adam broke God's word. Is this the greatest gift you could give a person? No. What is the greatest gift you could give a person? The most powerful. Opportunity. Opportunity is the most powerful gift you could give anyone. Opportunity. Give them an opportunity to progress. Give them an opportunity to be successful. Give them an opportunity for the door to open in their face. This is the most powerful gift you could ever give them. That is why God created Adam on the basis of love, but God did not give Adam love, number one. Because God, what, did, what was the first thing God asked of Adam? He said, Adam, here is the Garden of Eden, my son. I want you 
to work it, to guard it, to protect it, to plant it, to look after it. He said, I want you to work it. He did not say to Adam, I want you to love me. The first thing God asked of Adam, he said, I want you to work the garden. What is working the garden? In Hebrew, the word work, it literally means, I want you to become who you really are. I want you to be yourself. And what is yourself? King. I am the king of kings. I created you in my image and in my likeness. Just like I'm the king, you are a king. That's why I gave you a country to rule over. God gave Adam opportunity, not love. If Adam had listened to God, and, and if he had worked the garden, he would have remained a king till now. That was an opportunity. But he lost that opportunity, and because of that loss, instead of becoming a king, he became a slave. Opportunity, my beloveds. So if there are people that are not giving you that opportunity to progress, please, don't hang with so-called friends. Don't hang with them. My friends just taught me how to smoke. Bravo! And you know what? I tried the scotch on the rock for the first time and I flexed that old elbow. And it feels good. Bang! Those kind of friends you don't need. Trust me. And my friends, they just taught me how to lie to my parents. Aynakhbarane. Your eyes are full of light. But be with people, with friends, that will give you the opportunity to progress in life, spiritually and also socially. Number seven and the last one. You want to come out of your dark alleys? Decide to master the art of learning. You need to decide to master the art of learning. Number one, you need to have a new dream. Number two, you need to be a thankful person. Number three, you need to, see, to sow the seed of honor. Honor the people around you that God has given you in your life. You need to honor them. Number four, you need to excel in obedience. You need to be an obedient person, someone who is older than you. Number five, you need to avoid unnecessary battles. And 90% of the pain that you get through those unnecessary battles is because you've put your trust in the wrong place. Therefore, number six, you need to study the character of that friendship. In whom are you investing your time, your emotions, your whole time, and your sacrificing? Who are you sacrificing for? What kind of friends do you have? Study their character. Number seven, you need to decide to master the art of learning. Are you a learner or are you a teacher? Christianity is a, is a discipleship. In Christianity, there are no leaders. They are all followers. Because there is only one leader, one teacher, one master, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the head of the church, Ephesians 5. St. Paul says. There's only one head. That is Jesus of Nazareth. So, a follower 
is a student, is a learner. A leader says, I don't need no one to teach me. I know everything. And this generation is number one in saying, I know what I'm doing. You guys go back to Bahshiqa, you know? Go back to Tur uh, Abdin. Go back to Lebanon. One of those little towns somewhere in the north of Lebanon. Go back to Iraq. Go back to Syria. You guys still using typewriters. I know what I'm doing. This is the 21st century, mom. Get a life, mom, okay? What, you don't trust me? I know who to choose in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. I know. So please get off my case and stop getting on my nerves. Master the art of learning. No matter how much of a knowledgeable person you are, no matter how smart, how wise you are, always humble yourself and say there is always a, a, a room to learn even from a little kid. I can still learn from that little kid. Even if I am a professor, a theologian, a doctor, whatever I am, but there is always a chance to learn. Always be a learner, don't ever be a teacher. Even the teacher needs to be a learner. We all learn in order to teach. See, if you don't really open yourself to accepting this fact, you will never learn. You will never learn. You will never progress. But if you say, no, this beautiful kid can teach me. Why not? That can happen. Accept this fact. Lower yourself. I need to master the art of learning. Three things I'll give you and I'll, I'll finish it off on that. Number one, I need to learn three most important things. Three most important things, foundational in my life. Three things. One, I need to learn about the Holy Spirit. That's one. I need to learn about my assignment on earth. What does God expect of me? What is my purpose in this life on earth? And, and, and to find out my purpose, I need to go to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to reveal to me my assignment. And number three, when I know my assignment, I need to plant the seed to kingdom growth. I need to expand Jesus Christ's kingdom on earth. I need to learn about the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Have a dialect with Him. Pray. Say, Holy Spirit, show me. What do you want? What does Jesus want of me? I am the sheep of Jesus Christ. Show me the way. Lead me and guide me behind the footprints of the Good Shepherd. Holy Spirit, protect me. Holy Spirit, enlighten me. Holy Spirit, fill me with your wisdom, with your mightiness, with your light, with your holiness. Teach me how to walk and live in this life. Reveal to me the purpose of my very existence. What am I here for? Is it a fluke? Is it a big bang? And then when you know your assignment on earth by praying to God and being revealed to you by Himself, then you need to start sowing the seed to expand the kingdom of God on earth.
Start with your own family. When was it the last time as a family talked about Jesus Christ together? When was it the last time as a family sat at one table and prayed before eating together? When was it the last time as a family went to church together? When was it the last time as a family kneeled before the Lord and thanked Him for everything He has given you till this very moment together? When was it? Have you done it? If you haven't, you better start. If you think that mom and dad are off track, you start it. Don't wait for them to come and say, let us pray. You put them to the shame. You embarrass them by you kneeling before them and showing them the way. If someone is not saying hello to you, don't wait. You go and do it. This is my family. It is not strangers that I'm dealing with. We need to sow the seed of kingdom expansion. And it starts with home. You see, going to church on a Sunday, that is the result of your church being at home. The church on Sunday is called the universal church. But home is the family church. That is the foundation to the universal church. Without a church at home, there is no church in the universal. That's why they go as a duty. Ah, oh, there was a wedding. We've got to do it. There was a christening. We've got to do it. Oh, you know, this, this bishop is coming. Oh, let's go and listen to him. The Pope is coming. Oh. What about the other days? Every Sunday, not the Pope, not the Bishop, not someone important, the God of all gods, the creator of everything visible and invisible has chopped himself for you on that altar, saying, come and receive me in the Holy Eucharist. There is someone irreplaceable. You cannot replace that guy called Jesus. But if you have Jesus at home, when you go to the big church, mother church, your whole perspective about your faith is going to have a different color and a different taste. You need to taste Jesus at home. So when you go to the church, you are focused on Jesus Christ, not focused on people coming in and out and who's sitting next to you and behind you and in front of you. And what are they wearing? How do they smell? Did you come to church to see what people are dressed up like? Or did you come to Jesus for your sins to be forgiven by Jesus? Who are you focusing on? Because I'm not focused on Him at home. Obviously, I'm not going to be focused at, on Him at the church. Turn your homes as a church. Start there, preaching. Start your preaching from home. If you've got a brother or sister... You've talked about everything under the sun except the Bible. Say, sis, you know what? Tonight, let us read the Bible together. You will have a 180 degree change in your life if you involve Jesus in it. 180, 100% guaranteed. I'll say it for the last time and I'll finish off. Seven decisions that will get you through uh, the dark times. One, have a new dream. Stop hating yourself. Change your way of thinking. Number two, be a thankful person for every situation you are in and you're going through and you're going to go through. Number three, shower the seeds of honor in the, in the environment that you are in. Honor the people that are in your life. Number four, 
Excel in obedience. Be an obedient person. Number five, avoid unnecessary battles. Number six, study the character of the friendship that you are involved in. What kind of people are you associating yourself with? Number seven, master the art of learning. If you can do these seven things, you will get out of your dark alleys before you even blink your eyes. May the Lord Jesus bless you, guide you, protect you, and I thank you for your obedience and listening and for the art of learning. <laughs> See, you are already doing that. That's good. Thank you so much, guys. I hope we have learned something, but let us not only just listen, but also try and implement it in our lives. Implement it in our lives. At least take one of them. Have a new dream from tonight. Someone who's got a problem with being obedient, start, uh, start listening to your parents or someone who's older than you. Start changing. Start changing. If you are being disrespectful to your family members, start honoring them from tonight. Dad, I had your guts, but I love you. <laughs> Poor dad always cops it. <laughs> if you are in a friendship kind of relationship, not boyfriend and girlfriend, I'll strangle you. But if it's a relationship as a friend, study that character more, more thoroughly. See where you are. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start for the finale prayer, please, if you don't mind. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. Amen. May the Lord Jesus bless you, guide you, and protect you now and forevermore. Amen.